Fire Guys, intro number two. Oh, God. <laughs> Please <laughs> no. <laughs> Welcome to uh, Cultivate and Keep with co-host Jeremy and Corey. That's good, right? It wasn't as bad. I Guys, I'm trying now new loud. intros, you know? There's definitely like, be some to? distortion. Yeah. If I look at the, the little graph <laughs> right now, it's just like this huge yeah. thing. Like, there was a seismic earthquake. Yeah, pretty crazy. much. That is Jeremy's uh, voice. Man. Anyway, um, well, guys, <laughs> welcome on a serious Thanks note. Thanks for still listening, <laughs> Thank you even for, after yesterday. Thank you for uh, listening. Um, we are going to get right into things, but real quick, we have just one business item, and that right. is the two-week challenge. If you have not heard yet, we are doing a pretty cool giveaway, so you guys can uh, enter and participate by going to cultivateandkeep.com slash challenge, and right there, you can enter in. All you have to do is share this episode of the podcast or a blog post. And by doing that, your name gets entered into not a raffle, but basically um, you into increase, yeah, increase yeah. your chances of winning. So the more you share through our website, then the higher chance you have to win. So I shouldn't even say chance. I mean, then you, really you will win yeah. if you do it the most. Simple as that. That's right. That's um, how we men like it. Yeah. So we're going to be giving away a few books, uh, a Kindle, um, some limited time, cultivate and keep merch, a hat, maybe a and e and some shirts. Yep. And uh, and bragging rights. Too. That's right, dude. <laughs> bragging rights from uh, too. We'll give you a shout out on yeah, the podcast shout out, for big sure. Big shout out. A few um, shout outs. Anyway, uh, that's. I think that's it, Corey. That's it. Anything okay. else? No. Uh, I mean, as a part of it, we're doing a blog post and and podcast episode a day for the first fourteen days of December. So it's a win win. So it's a challenge for us to do all this content, mm-hmm. and it's a challenge for you to help us spread the word and share the content. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. All right, com slash challenge. Um, so today, um, I feel like I always end up talking about he's, I think he's probably most likely my favorite biblical character, um, person. Is, is a character only fictional? I don't know, good, good point. I want to say character. I would say just person figure. in the Bible. Person, <laughs> figure, yeah. yeah. He's just a guy. I mean, yeah. Uh, we're talking about Joshua of the Bible. Um, so we're, specifically, we're going to format it in nine lessons every man can learn from Joshua of the Bible. So let us know what you think of this kind of format. Uh, it's a little more structured than usual, but we're just going to kind of roll through some of the lessons. Um, but I love Joshua, and I keep going back on him. In fact, I think the first time that I really sat down and studied Joshua was for uh, some sort of Bible class in high school at Foothills um, in Mr. Newkirk's class, and I had to do like this it was pretty much like the longest, most extensive report. I think my report ended up being like 20 or 30 pages long or something. Jeez. But it made me like fall in love with the kind of story and like the whole persona of Joshua um, because it's just so gnarly of a story to me. Um, so to give it a little bit of context, you can find Joshua by going to the Bible and flipping over to the book of Joshua. It's pretty pretty straightforward there. But um, You lost me. Yeah. Wait, what? Where do I go? Uh but Joshua, interesting enough, began life, I don't know if you knew this, as a slave in Egypt. So, you know, you know how the story goes with Moses, where God calls Moses in the burning bush, and he says, go free my people from the Egyptians. Uh, the Israelites had spent like a few hundred years, at least a hundred, I'm not really sure, I should go back and look, as slaves in Egypt. And I was there, and it was like a very racist thing to do, basically. It was just like the Jews, the Israelites all of your slaves forever. So Moses, this guy comes waltzing in alone and he challenges Pharaoh, who is basically like the king of the universe at that time to let the Israelites go. 
and by all the miraculous um, plagues and different things that happen, the Lord empowered them to do. Moses successfully leads the Israelites out of Egypt and frees them from slavery. And Joshua was one of those slaves that was freed. But like, I was thinking that I was like, that is so, I could not imagine that. Like, oh, so Joshua and Caleb, I'm not sure why I never put two and two together. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So all of like all of Joshua's life, think about the context of where he came from and his upbringing. Mm-hmm. He, he was born a slave and he grew up a slave. I'm not sure how old he was when Moses came in and freed them, but he probably wasn't that old. I'm guessing he was maybe around our age, possibly. I don't know. There's probably some sort of biblical indicators there, but, um, but if you look, so, but he rose, uh, so he, he was, he was a slave. And then, uh, when they were freed, he rose kind of up the ranks to be a leader of Israel. And he was kind of one of the military leaders to Moses, um, and was, you know, really faithful in, in obedience to God. But, one of the kind of themes that we can pull out here is that your circumstances Mm -hmm. don't define your destiny. Right. And like Joshua is the biggest testament in that, and that he was literally a slave. Like, I don't know if there's any other circumstance that could make you think that your destiny is to be anything great, Mm -hmm. but like a slave is like the, the worst it can get basically. Yeah. Um, so my dad, when he was, so both my parents came from pretty um, broken families. My dad, he was 15 years old and on Christmas Eve, his stepdad asked him to leave the house and said, I want to wow. basically have only my family in my house. And my dad was just his, his stepson. So 15 years old, Christmas Eve, he's basically kicked out of his home, has nowhere to go. And my mom, kind of similar, there was no dad around, single mom, five daughters. Um, and she was like, the, I think the oldest of five. And she moved out when she was 16. So they both came from pretty much nothing. And they shared like a common like kind of goal for their life was they um, they wanted to break that cycle. So in their family before them, every generation pretty much was kind of like that. really broken. No one knew the Lord. Um, just chaos. And so they wanted to break that cycle and basically start a new a new line. Um, and they did that, which is cool. So, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. You're, you know, what you were born into, what... Um, you know, what one day makes up your life doesn't have to always be your life. It can change. Um, also like thinking, um, so your day to day circumstances, does it have to, does it have to ruin your day? And so mm-hmm. if you're having like a rough morning, um, I think it's easy for a lot of people to like throw that day out, throw that day out and say, Oh, maybe, you know, better luck next time or better luck right. tomorrow. Even and if it's at like 7am in yeah, the morning. <laughs> we can break, yeah, we can break that down. And so we can think, okay, you know, obviously it doesn't control our destiny, but even like day to day, like if you have a rough morning that does not have to ruin your day, you know, you could overcome those um, rough morning circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's cool too, because in, in Joshua's story, like I don't know if there's any other time where God displayed so much like divine miraculous power. Like you had the 10 plagues you had when they were coming out of Egypt, you had like this fiery tornado that was leading at night. And then, like every day God would supply manna from the heavens and like just food would appear on the ground for them to eat. Like, I don't think that there, you could be any more immersed in God's miraculous power, but you've got to think that when Joshua was just a young kid or even when he was just a young boy, like he was probably thinking like, I'm going to be a slave forever. Yeah. I think that's so cool because well, one, there's some truth to without God, you sort of are a slave to your circumstances in in a certain way. Like you you only have so much power over yourself and over other things. Mm-hmm. But with God, 
literally there's no circumstance mm-hmm. that can contain you. There's no circumstance that can determine who you are, who you're supposed to be or what, how God can use you. Um, so God is kind of like the ultimate circumstance breaker or mm-hmm. achiever or however you want to call it. Um, something else to think about. I'm, I don't think it's in this story, but Mark Hoffman often talks about this. Um, he says uh, that your perception of a, cir- of a circumstance often determines the outcome. Hmm. Um, so whether that's, okay, today's starting off really bad. If I decide today sucks, like it's the worst, like whatever, then I'm probably going to have a pretty rough day, right? Yeah. Or even thinking like bigger picture. Like if, you know, you have a pretty, you know, rough, uh, you know, um, home life and you, you, you don't, you weren't born into much. If that's your outlook of my life sucks, this is the worst thing ever. Well, chances are it probably will turn out bad for you. But yeah. if you spin it and choose a positive outcome, a positive um, just really outlook on what you're facing. It really can change um, the reality of, of what happens rather than a negative um, outlook. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to read it just one more time because it's so good. Your perception of your circumstances often determines the outcome. So, I mean, that's so true because the way that we perceive things is the outcome. Often, like, it could be a good day or a bad day depending on how you see it. Because, again, like you said, bad circumstances don't have to ruin your day. It could still be a good day with good outcomes, but if all you perceive it as is a bad day with bad outcomes, then that's what it's going to be. Um, you can always find the good in something. So second lesson. Uh, so when Moses sent the 12 spies to scout the land of Canaan, so just reverse really quick again, Moses, uh, God calls Moses to bring the Israelite people out of Egypt And originally God's vision for Moses was for Moses also to bring them into the promised land, into the land where they could fortify and secure for themselves. Joshua didn't, uh, or Moses, this is kind of the crux of it, right? But at this point, they've made it kind of to the barrier, like sort of to the entry of the promised land. And now they were going in to scout it. So when Moses sent the 12 spies to scout the land of Canaan, which is the promised land, only Joshua and Caleb, so two out of 12, um, believed that the Israelites could conquer the land with God's help. And this is ultimately what kind of doomed Moses and that generation of people from entering the promised land. They had to wait 40 years. But um, but it's so interesting because Joshua wasn't afraid to be different. He wasn't afraid to challenge others. He wasn't afraid to be contrarian. Um, he wasn't afraid to kind of just speak out. I don't know if, if you've heard of like that old experiment where... Um, you know, it, they kind of like, they'll put someone into a classroom and someone's like, there's a teacher and there's other people, other students around them and everyone but them will know, like they'll, they'll give the wrong answer intentionally and then they'll see what the real person will say, whether like they'll go with what they actually know. It'll be something yeah, really yeah, simple yeah. like, you know, 11 plus 22 equals, and then people will say like 48, like 49 or like 32 and then the guy's like looking around like, are these people stupid? And the majority of the time, people will say the wrong answer just to fit in with the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so interesting that Joshua, just even in like the hugest of circumstances, wasn't afraid to be the one of 12, or I guess one of two that were, uh, that were going to speak out and be yeah. different. It has me thinking like practically, how can this apply? Um, I really in like day-to-day life, you know, because you think about either scenarios like that or, you know, bigger picture stuff. We know, we think, how can we, how can we be different in this? But what about just day-to-day? Like what kind of things um, could we benefit from if we weren't afraid to be different, weren't, weren't afraid to 
kind of walk away from what the crowd might be doing. Not in a bad way, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind I, of a good thing to think about. Yeah. And I think that raises a good kind of point that there's going to be a lot of situations where we could just be like the crowd or we could just kind of go with the flow where maybe we're supposed to speak up or maybe we're supposed to be a little contrarian. Maybe we're supposed to be a little unconventional, even if it means that people don't view us the same way or like us or that we're passed up for an opportunity, but maybe it's just cause it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that. So basically Joshua wasn't afraid to be different in defense of God essentially. So lesson number three, uh, the kind of the next, um, progression in Joshua's story was, um, since the 10 of the 12 didn't believe, um, God sent the Jews to wander the wilderness for 40 years until the unfaithful generation died. And of those spies, only Joshua and Caleb survived. So what, what I think is so interesting about this is that Joshua had to wait 40 years to fulfill his calling and quote unquote, get his moment. And I was talking about this at, um, at my small group last night, uh, and how God cast a vision for Moses. And then that vision was passed on to Joshua but Joshua had to wait 40 years after he went into the land of Canaan and saw it. Think about waiting for something yeah, so. <laughs> for 40 years. And I think it's just a testament of sometimes your vision takes a while mm-hmm. to kind of come to fruition. Yeah, it's sometimes that process it takes, of waiting. Yeah, like it. it's not going to be immediate. Sometimes you have to wait for your moment. Mm-hmm. I think with that, we we need to consider what happens dur- during that process um hmm. because just at face value thinking waiting for so you, there's a promise so you know or you don't know but there's a, you have hopes of what's going to come and then 40 years you're wandering in a wilder- wilderness that freaking sucks like that's yeah. and most of them died and didn't even and it's not fair enter. not fair yeah um so for us you know we don't have really anything probably that to that degree, but we still have situations where there's promises, expectations, plans, hopes, dreams, whatever it is. And we're waiting. It's probably most cases, probably a couple of years, but we're still waiting. But in that process of waiting, I think so much good comes from that. That's often overlooked and we don't really um, consider or take from that what we should of just that process of having to wait and trust and, you know, trust in the Lord and and hope um, and just believe for what's right for what's good to come. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, lesson number four. So now, finally, Joshua gets his moment. Um, and actually, I mean, his vision, his his moment isn't even fulfilled yet. Now he gets to start on his vision of actually leading the Israelites into the promised land and taking over. But uh, so Joshua took over from Moses. And the thing that's so interesting to me is if you think about Moses, uh, I think, you know, some kind of biblical... Uh, study or I forget what you call them, but people who study the Bible, what are they called? Oh my gosh. I had it and it went away. Okay. Anyways, a lot of very smart people who know the Bible will often kind of paint a picture of Moses as being a very reluctant leader. And I think it's, he also had Aaron to kind of speak for him because he wasn't a great communicator in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but still you have to think about Moses single-handedly with God's help led the people of Israel out of Egypt. Egypt was the most powerful nation and government and civilization of all time at that time. And uh, like the dude had some, some reputability, you know what I mean? Like he had a really big kind of persona and he, like people trusted him and knew Moses. This was the guy who led us out of Egypt. And although they didn't have faith in him a lot of times, Joshua had 
really big shoes to fill. And that's scary. Um, one of the keys to his success was uh, Joshua 1, seven, where God tells him in kind of his inaugural, like his calling for Joshua, he says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. So I love that Joshua had these huge shoes to fill, mm-hmm. but then the Lord goes all the way down to the most simplest principles of be strong and courageous and know the word, study my law. So I just finished actually reading Joshua about a month ago. Oh, yeah. funny, went back through it. And uh, as I read through it, I underlined and kind of made a few notes around every time I saw that phrase, be strong and mm-hmm. courageous. And had me thinking. So I, I think that's one of those terms and phrases that that we hear as Christians and it's comforting and it's like, oh, like, yeah, like I can be strong and I'm courageous. <laughs> like kind of rah-rah. That's what we think. But as I was reading it through this time, kind of the reality struck me that you, it is encouraging, but it's all what, we have to think, what is it actually telling us? It's telling us that we have to be strong. We yeah. have to be courageous and still go through whatever it is we're worried about. And I think most of the time we think of, okay, like, yeah, I'm just going to be strong, but it's going to be all good. But the reality is we still have to actually face what we're, what we're afraid of and what we're worried yeah. about. But the, the Lord tells us to be strong and go through it. Um, but I, so I think it's good to, re- to remember that, you know, it's not just the uh, Christianese comfort, but yeah. you know, there's, there's a reality that plays with it. Right. And again, like the, with the Lord, I think it's funny. I was talking with my small group about it last night again. Uh, but I was like, when God says something twice, you know, it's important. Like God should never need to say something twice. But then I looked and I think in the first 11 verses, he says it like at least yeah. three times. Yeah. I was like, wow, God must really want this to be ingrained in our minds. Mm-hmm. And I think again, like you said, if God's telling you to be strong and courageous, you know that there's going to be some stuff that you're going to have to deal with. There's going to be some crap that you're going to have to go through and some scary stuff that's going to be dealt your way. Um, So I think the lesson there is when you have big shoes to fill or when you have something scary about to go through, where there's something hard that you have to do, get back down to the basics Mm -hmm. and remember, be strong and courageous and then know the law, study the law, be close to God in other words. Okay, lesson number five. Um, so now to enter the land, uh, the Israelites had to cross the flooded Jordan river. And when the priests and the Levites carried the Ark of the covenant into the water, the water stopped flowing. And this miracle mirrored the one that God had performed the red sea. So to give a little more context into this, the Jordan river is like this massive, like rushing river. And if you like stepped in it or went into it, you were going to get swept away. There's no kind of physical way to cross without having like some sort of bridge or some sort of system to get people across. But I think it was too big at that point. And the Lord told Joshua, like, put your foot in, which I think even that was kind of a scary moment. And when you put it in, the river's going to stop flowing. So he stopped the river. And with the, uh, the lesson here is that it didn't stop until they took the first step. Mm-hmm. And it's often that first step that's the hardest. Yeah. I feel like, I want to say stuff with that, but the reality is we know that. And (laughs) I think that's one of the ones that it's kind of speaks for itself, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I honestly don't even want to expand on it because of time. (laughs) I I think so. I think that's good. Take the first step and then the Lord will come through. Number six, Joshua followed God's strange instructions for the battle of Jericho. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so now like they're, they're past the Jordan. Now they're going city by city and conquering. So Joshua followed God's strange instructions for the battle of Jericho and then for six days, the army marched around the city. On the seventh day, they marched seven times and shouted, and the walls came uh, crashing down. The Israelites swarmed in, killing every living thing except Rahab and her family. 
And um, I think that's just like, I love that God made him do this, just the strangest thing Mm -hmm. because it was a test for Joshua and the Israelites. But I think it also, it kept them in check for like, look, you are nothing without me. And so I'm going to make you do the most stupid thing, the most ridiculous thing, just to prove that I'm in control here. And I think the lesson here is that sometimes following God's lead isn't going to make sense Mm -hmm. or it's not going to make sense when you're doing it. It's kind of like that has me thinking of um, like little kids, like they want something, you ask them to do something, they say why. And often the response of parents is because I said so, or Mm -hmm. um, there's an expectation that they're supposed to follow even if they don't understand or it doesn't make sense. Um, It also has me thinking of uh, people I know that, you know, at one point in their life, this is what God told God told them to do, and they're doing it. And then a few weeks later, it changed, and it has me thinking a lot, a lot of times, like why, what, what changed? And I think reality is God isn't really changing, or maybe there's, it's, maybe it's just uncertain. And so we, as people, we make the change because mm. we don't want to wait. Yeah. Um. I think more times than not, God isn't making sense, or it's it's unclear. Oh, it totally. kind of goes back to the last uh, point of taking a first step, or we should say keep taking that first step or you know keep yeah. stepping you know two yeah. step after two step no. oh. it, i don't know why i did that but uh <laughs> most i, I don't want to say mo- most times i'll say more times than not i feel like god isn't making sense with me and yeah i still we still have to keep moving you know yeah you have to okay uh lesson number seven so now we're moving on to one of the other kind of really cool uh stories in, in joshua and his whole kind of conquest for the promised land but before battle joshua always consulted god so before every city before every battle before every people that they're about to fight um joshua remembered what god told him to study the law and he would pray to god he would ask god for guidance he would ask him basically god what's the game plan um but the one time that he didn't is when they were facing the people of gibeon and the people of gideon entered into a deceptive peace treaty with israel and God had for, like, basically forbidden Israel to make treaties with anyone in Canaan. And so Joshua, he basically, it was the one time that he slipped, and it was the one time that they really had to pay. So if Joshua had sought God's guidance first, then he wouldn't have made this mistake. And I think that's just, just so indicative of, like, consistency matters, and consistency pays off. But also, like, consult the Lord. Like, what... What are you missing out or like what mistakes are you making because you're not consulting God? It reminds me of um, Neil's message this, this weekend. Yeah. Uh, talking about um, op- open versus closed doors um, and how do we approach that? And kind of what we're saying now is no matter what it is, like really consult God. And whether it's, it's it looks great and it looks like a green light, everything looks perfect, mm. like still consult God and still. Yeah. And so what that, what that looks like is, you know, really I would say mentors and advice and, you know, friends and just kind of checks and balances, you know, things in your life, you know, the scriptures to make sure that everything is in alignment, you know, cause it's easy for us to get an idea, get excited. Right. Oh, this is God. It's an open door. And before you know it, <laughs> we're not. So, yeah. 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 What's so funny about this, um, this story particularly is that, you know, uh, God had been leading the Israelites city by city and they were just destroying, like it was mm-hmm. just, it wasn't even a, a contest basically. So the Gibeonites got word that basically like the cities are falling and like we're in trouble. Like they're going to get to us next. So instead of strike trying to fight, they very kind of keenly go to the Israelites and they try to make a peace treaty. So to Joshua, he's like, oh, 
great open door like i don't have to fight these people we can live peacefully wrong it's not an open door it's a trick door like you said you have to consult god because not all open doors are are good doors or other doors that you're supposed to go through lesson number eight um so uh because joshua was obedient god performed another miracle at the battle of gibeon um, and he made the sun stand still in the sky for an entire day so the Israelites could wipe out their enemies completely. So this is one of the stories, again, another miraculous kind of power that God showed in the, in the story of Joshua. But they were fighting these people, and in order to wipe them all out and finish the battle, like they were running out of daylight, and they would have to run away and go find them later. And so God made the sun stand still, um, and it was because Joshua obeyed God. It's because Joshua was listening to God. So I think, again, the lesson here is probably pretty straightforward, but obedience leads to miracles sometimes, and obedience leads to God's intervention. Yeah, also, this will um, lead into the next point, but I, I also would say obedience uh, leads to fulfillment of, of God's promises, hmm. and um, kind of like our side of, you know, if God says, you know, do this, then, you know, X happens. Well, yeah. you know, you do your end, you know, and God fulfills his side. Yeah, totally. Okay. Last lesson, number nine. Under Joshua's godly leadership, the Israelites conquered the land of Canaan. So this is the fulfillment of God's vision for Joshua and for Moses. But when they finally killed all the people, destroyed all the cities, conquered the entire land of Canaan, the promised land, um, finally, like it was, it was done. And God fulfilled his promise to Joshua and to the Israelites after, I mean, it must have been at least 50, 60 years from the time that they were led out of Egypt it was a completely new generation, mm-hmm. but God does follow through. He does mm-hmm. uh, keep his promises. Yeah, I, uh, I, I want to do an episode about this. I think it's in our archive, but um, you know, I, the thought of God's promises being conditional. I think a lot of us don't think about that. It's easy to think about mm. God's love is unconditional, all that good stuff, which is, which is great. But the reality is his promises are conditional. You know, we, we do have a side we have to fulfill and, and do. And in, in this case, it was 60 years to see it come full yeah. circle. Um, but that's the reality of how it works. So. Mm. That is interesting. You know, it, it was like the promise of this was if you obey me and you follow my instructions to go take over the land of Canaan, the land is yours and I will bless so it. It's one of those things that I don't, you know, we really don't think about a lot. I was, I, I uh, was uh, in like a home group setting a couple of years ago and I, I think I was given a message or someone was given a message, but they were talking about God's promises. I think it was me. And at the end of it, one thing I said was that God's promises are conditional. And I remember mm-hmm. it was David Matranga. And at first he like challenged it and said, oh, I would, and he kind of like said that that's incorrect. Yeah. And we started like openly talking about it as a group. And like very quickly we were all like, actually like, no, that, that is right. Like God's promises are conditional. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things that we don't really think about, but, um, in mo, there's a lot of verses where it, like you just it said, if, 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 yeah. then, and it's, and so that's kind of what got me thinking about this idea. Um, but it's, it's very true that, they are conditional. And so um, anyway, I'm sure we'll do an episode about that. That'll be a good one. Okay. Well, there you go. Nine lessons from Joshua of the Bible. So we'll see you. We'll talk to you tomorrow in the next episode. Until then, go to cultivateandkeep.com slash challenge. Spread the word. And we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Bye. <laughs>